0: Not coincidentally, at the start of and throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, I've been exploring the world of online gaming, but in the sense of of tabletop gaming. I mean, I've, I've played video games here and there, but I usually, I don't generally, I'm not a social video game player. I play those just personally. Traditionally, I would have said I was a console gamer, but I, I guess for the past, I don't know, seven years or something, I've been a PC gamer, I guess. But, and I, obviously, I, I'm saying I guess, and I guess, and I guess, because I don't, I, I guess I don't identify with myself as a, a, a PC gamer. I'm really a console hobby gamer who, who masquerades as a PC gamer sometimes. So anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about Video games, really, I'm talking about tabletop games, like board games and card games, things like that, but you do it on a computer. And the reason you do that on the computer, at least for the past two years, is because there has been and is a COVID-19 pandemic in effect and so the whole getting together with a group of strangers to breathe all over one another just isn't quite as appealing as it used to be. So I've taken to computers to satisfy the desire to get together and play games with other people. Now, board games, tabletop games, whatever you want to call them, has been, generally for me, a a really great excuse to put myself into a social situation, which I otherwise tend to avoid out of habit. And I guess, you know, one one way I get social activities into my life is through like technical conferences and things like that. But the other way is, uh, and I I would say probably more intimately, would be board games, because that's usually a a generally a smaller group of people. Although, I mean, if you go to a gaming convention, then you you are playing with maybe a small group, but a small group of random people from a, a much larger group. So I guess there's a little bit of variety there. But I, either way, I, I the point is, I enjoy a good board game. And lately, very lately, I have started to uh, r- offer to sort of organize games online with other people. Which I, I have done before a little bit, but lately I've been really kind of leaning into it, because I've kind of, because I've realized how convenient that is. Now, admittedly, I, pr- I still prefer the in-person experience and board gaming is very much tabletop gaming is very much a thing that gets me away from the computer, ideally. And this is the exact opposite. This is, this is embracing the computer with the other hobby of tabletop gaming and integrating the two, which, which was never the intent, but for right now, it's, it's working out pretty well and And it has led none none of that matters by the way that was just context. What this has led to is some atypical interactions with with people I probably would not have encountered otherwise, which actually has been the intent of 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 gaming that that's exactly the intent placing myself into social situations that that maybe wouldn't have arisen otherwise so I've arranged board games or tabletop games online and I have had conversations that that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise around software, interestingly. So this has happened a couple of times in the past, I don't know, two or three months now. Uh, When I plan an online event, let's call it, I mean, it's not really an event, but a gathering, a meetup, whatever, uh, a game, when I plan them, I default as as i am wont to do because it's just this is these are the tools that i use i default to open source options open source chat applications to communicate with the other players. I use open source engines for, you know, for the, for the actual, for the visuals of the game. And, and there are a couple of those out there. There's, um, it depends on what you want to play, but there's Mythic Table, there's Vassal Engine, and there's Cockatrice. So a couple of different platforms there. Uh, And those are the ones, you know, that's what I default to because... I'm interested in trying new open source applications. I'm interested in supporting the open source uh, developers and so on. And, and besides, it's just literally what I know. Like those are the things that I seek out. And so they are what I default to. It's just the thing that I use. And it's been interesting because most people, I would say 90% of interactions, the people don't care what platform they're on. That They sign up for the game. I tell them where to go for that game and that's what we use and the fact that it isn't some other platform doesn't matter one way or the other now i'm i'm only able to make this observation that it doesn't matter with the platform because there has been that 10% of people who have noticed that these are unfamiliar tools so just it in, in any um, i don't want to say industry because it's not an industry but but in any any niche in any group in any, um, subculture, there are, I guess, maybe, um, what, what should we call them? Mainstream tools? Maybe that would be the correct term, mainstream, meaning common, uh, the, the vulgar tools, (laughs) The, 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 the tools of the people, I guess, except maybe not, but anyway, yeah, there are tools, there are things that are just kind of, like, assumed. And it never occurred to me that I was coming into a space when planning online games in a lot of different areas. It never really occurred to me that I was coming into a space that had an existing set of, of an existing tool set or an existing, I should say, an existing expectations of a tool set. And so there's been that 10% of people who maybe will sign up for a thing that looks interesting to them and then Maybe realizes that oh this isn't using the the tabletop simulator application well then I'm out uh, this isn't using such and such well roll twenty you know so okay okay well never mind I don't want to play so there there's been a ten percent actually is probably too high probably been more like honestly two percent maybe. Yeah, 2%, let's say, because I don't think there's been 100 people yet, but let's say 2%. So anyway, it, it's been a very small section of people, but, but a couple of people have noticed that oh, this is an unfamiliar tool to me. And, and generally, the, or, or frequently, it's, it's simply because I don't know where the button for, that thi- for the function that, that in my other games, I know where that is. This one, I don't know where that is. So it's been a very sort of functional, like, oh, this is a different tool. There have been a couple of people up front who have just looked at the tool name and said, I don't know what that is. I do not want to... I, it's not worth learning that for this game. I'm out. Which has been fine. Um, I wouldn't classify any of these interactions as confrontational. But it was something that sort of made me realize that, that well, first of all, I guess... in that there are expectations very frequently and then and then secondly it's it's kind of it's had a it's it's worked two different things for me it's it's shown me that on the one hand people don't care what uh, engine or platform they are using when the reason that they're coming together is platform independent but then on the other hand there are those who do care about the platform or the engine or whatever, which, which is interesting because then you kind of wonder, well, what, what's the barrier between their love for the the reason you're coming together and, and the, you know, whatever learning curve, perceived, perceived learning curve there is to learn this different interpretation of that thing. It can be in many, many cases, I feel like the versions that I am proposing or that i default to and use are simpler actually than the sort of the mainstream ones that they're used to so for for instance i i often use Jitsi for 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 chat i don't even use the video actually i just use it for audio chat because mumble is great and i use that for some games as well but generally i use those for people that that i already know are using open source tools and are familiar with mumble. So specifically with the hacker public radio community, but mumble does, I mean, it, it, it requires an additional download. So that can be, that can be difficult, but Jitsi it's in a browser and, and it is a video conferencing software open source. So why not use that? It is as easy as getting a, a, a zoom link or a, Google Chat link or whatever Hangout link whatever, or and whatever service is there Skype is that still a thing I don't even know, whatever those things are, Jitsi is is as easy as that. Um, again, maybe some of the buttons are in a different place, maybe there's I don't know a different functionality here or there, but generally speaking, it's 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 just the same. it's the the it's the thing. It's a video chat software. That's what it is. And so I use that, and most people don't even know that they're on something different from Zoom, I guess. I don't know. I've only been on Zoom like three times in my life, so I still am not quite sure how most people experience that, because I I feel like it's probably a different application on things, but I'm not going to install that application, so I don't. But most of the time, people don't, don't really know that that's any different. They do notice that it's different than, say, Discord, which among gamers is kind of the default application for that sort of thing, apparently. That's really, for whatever reason, that's the way I think gaming has gone to Discord. That's different than Discourse, understand it's Discord. And Discord is available on Linux, and I do use it sometimes because As I say, a lot of people are just on Discord. So that's a thing. It's there. It exists. When possible, I I try to default to something different, such as, for instance, Jitsi. And people generally don't care. Now, interestingly, though, one person... So again, I'm, I'm talking about a sliver of percentages of people here. One person, exactly one person, stated that that video conferencing software was just substandard it was not good and and from what i could tell this one person who had that complaint had a poor connection and for whatever reason could not i guess fathom the idea that they were the only person with a poor connection uh and if, to me it seemed like that person was complaining sort of uh, almost under the impression that everyone was having an equally poor experience that uh, as that, that as they were having uh, and and blamed Jitsi specifically for it. Now maybe that person has never had a poor connection with whatever they usually use. Um, I don't know. I don't know the 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 issue. But no one else on the uh, on the call had that complaint. So it, I mean, it was it was. I don't know if it was a fluke or if it was just their their specific location or something. I don't know. I don't know what happened but they had a poor experience with it. And, and therefore they, they never wanted to use it ever again. (laughs) They were very clear about that. So that was a, an interesting experience. And it was, it was an interesting interaction because this person was just under the assumption that it was the it was exactly that software's fault and that it was irreparable, that there would never be a good connection over that software. Couldn't get the person to try it again. So I don't know whether it was a repeat thing or whether it was a one-off thing, but they would not join that service. It was unusable to them, according to that person. So that was an interesting, weird interaction. And I felt like that person was kind of hyper aware that it was an unfamiliar service. I don't know why other people don't seem to care. Uh, And in fact, up until that person... A week ago. This was actually the interaction that really kind of made me think of, uh, it got my me thinking about this. But up until then, I just, I assumed that there were so many video conferencing services out there now, and there are, both open source and otherwise. I assumed that people just didn't care about the name of the service. I thought we'd maybe reached that Whatever the opposite of a singularity is, the, dupli- the multiplicity of video conferencing is just a normal thing now. If I send you a link called Jitsi, or Zoom, or Skype, again, I don't know if that's actually even around anymore, or Google Chat, or Hangout, or Meet, or whatever that it's called, or Foo, or Bar, or Baz, who cares as long as I click on the thing and the video comes up and the audio comes up, that's what we're all using. Much like you would never complain about having to use a, use a phone that wasn't, I don't know, branded. I mean, you would. You wouldn't buy the phone. But if you were borrowing a phone to make a call or something, which I guess people don't really do anyway, but you, you wouldn't look at it and think, oh, this this telephone is not the phone that I am used to, and therefore I will not... Make my phone call. I thought we'd reached that point with video calling, and maybe we have. To be honest, quite possibly we have. And that it's literally, this one person out of a lot of people has is that hyper aware of of oh that's an unfamiliar URL to me, and therefore I am I am wary of it. I don't know. That was an interesting experience. On the other end of the spectrum, though, is within the magic the gathering community especially people using not windows there's there's really no way to play magic the gathering online but through the official channels at least uh because you know they're quite serious about magic the gathering like play and tournaments and things like that so they've got like i think two different applications arena and just I think it's just called Magic the Gathering maybe or yeah Magic the Gathering online I think Uh, they've got two applications and you could try to download it and apparently you can you can download and install and run through Wine although I've not actually tried that but and I've heard mixed reports about it so I, I haven't really bothered but you could do that apparently maybe and maybe get some games in and so on but there's an open source project called Cockatrice that um, takes a different approach and has sort of an engine that you can load assets into and then join and play against people. And it's it's a highly manual process. Like there's it is it is very much like the the Vassal engine, uh, which is kind of a tabletop game sort of blank slate uh, engine with a bunch of modules that you can download and and play games with. You you've got you know you've got just this kind of this engine that you put your assets into and then you because you're playing a game with a real person you both agree to play by the rules that you both know so there's there's not necessarily all that much enforcing the rule set it it's more like a framework within which those rules make sense and then you each step through the process of the game accordingly and so I mean, not not to get too deep into it, but I mean, that's one theory of of online game design, right? You you could just let the the you could just create a shared space where people can do things, or you could you could program the rules into the game, and that way, if they roll, uh, I'll switch over to something pretend here. Like let let's say you're playing Monopoly for some some horrible reason. I don't know why you'd be doing that ever in under any circumstance. Let's say you are you're playing Monopoly. You roll the die. And it says you can go six spaces. So, in 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 Vassal, well, I don't know. Actually, I don't, I don't know about Vassal. But in in some in an engine, just the engine example, you'd be able to go six spaces. But then, if you were, if you had a house rule that said, well, whenever you roll six, you can go nine instead. So you go nine spaces. Well, in a in an online version of that game, it would restrict you from doing that that would not be possible because it knows the rule that when you roll six you have to go six spaces there's no way around that you can't go three spaces you can't go five spaces you can't go seven spaces six spaces because that's what you rolled and that's one way to design a game experience and an online experience and that's fine and that's one great way to learn rules sometimes is to play this computer implementation of the thing that knows the rules and will help enforce that so you can't forget to draw a card from the community chest because when you land on that square the computer knows that you now have a token saying draw a card from community chest and if you don't do that then it won't let you proceed to the next the next step it won't it won't pass the turn to the other person or or whatever you have to do the thing because that's how the rules are laid out but just an engine doesn't care it just knows that it's got a a slot for the community chest you've got die that you can roll and it'll do the random number generation for you but you have to take your token six spaces or eight or nine or twelve whatever you guys want it just lets the humans involved uh be the arbiters so in cockatrice that's that's the setup the humans are are mostly the arbiters there's there's a little bit of structure because it is specifically designed for a very specific game but a lot of it is just human arbitration and, and and player arbitration at that. It's not like there's some other human involved. It's just you and the person you're playing against are speaking with each other and moving tokens around the computer screen. So that platform, Cockatrice specifically, is, is I would say, pretty well embraced by a lot of people um, because... That maybe they're not, you know, they're they're playing on a platform that that doesn't have access to the official Magic the Gathering uh, games, or maybe they do have access to them, but they don't have the money uh, to do all the, you know, microtransactions and things that you would have to do in in the official version. So the open source ver- cockatrice is open source. Um, so the open source version of of this of this of this method of playing a game. Has has imp- has gotten a lot of acceptance, and I think that maybe possibly the the difference there is that the platform is enabling the the thing that you have come together for. Whereas something like Jitsi, it's just a tool, and there are other tools like it, and and so there can be there can easily be resistance to that. Whereas if you were to say to someone, "Let's play Magic: The Gathering online together," go download Cockatrice, sign up, load some decks in there. Chances are they're going to go through all of those steps, and it's not super easy. You, it's, it does take. Uh, it, there's a learning curve there. So you load all your decks up, you build your deck, or you import a deck from an, you know, like a, someone else's build. And then you go in, you have to join the server, and then you're in the server, and then you have to create a game, and then you join the table, and so on. So there are lots of steps there. But it's it's worth it because, because that, that enables you to do the thing that you've come together to do. And I think it's similar, similar to that would be um, something like Mythic Table, which is an open source um, map software for... RPG and war game games. That's pretty well accepted from in my experience, uh, compared to many of the other options, Roll Twenty and Fantasy Grounds and and all these other astral what astral plane or something like that. Yeah, a couple of different ones out there. Um, Mythic Table seems to be I I wouldn't say it was um, well known, but I've never had anyone protest against uh, against using mythic table no actually that's not true there was one person who who, who said that they didn't want to learn mythic table um without even looking at it mind you they didn't even look at the thing they just said i don't want to have to learn new software i i told them i assured them that it was not necessary to use mythic table and that i would be using it but they didn't have to uh, and they still dropped so i didn't really i didn't gather that that was a very I don't think they were around anyway really for yeah, I felt like that was a little bit of a okay, maybe they're not really into this. And not a bad thing that they dropped out. But anyway, I feel like in in many cases resistance to a new platform seems to be governed at least in part by the the task people are trying to to accomplish but the eternal question i think is when when does the task become the platform or 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 maybe is that backwards when does the platform become the task yeah that's the question when does the platform become the task and and you see this once again in everyday interaction people and this is going to just be the, the again a really obvious example people want to do a spreadsheet Do they want to do a spreadsheet or do they want to use Excel? That's the question. Is the platform the task or do they have a task that they need a platform for? And I think it differs between a a lot of different factors. I think sometimes a factor is a person's level of, of discomfort and anxiety over having to learn something new. Can you sit down and look at something that's vaguely unfamiliar and get over the idea that that's unfamiliar to you? If not, then you're going to have a problem when the platform is different because you have you have decided that a task is not important, but that the platform, the comfort of a platform is important. I guess it's it's a little bit like when we say, um to you know if you have a hammer every problem looks like a nail i guess it's kind of the same thing of saying if you if 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 all you feel comfortable with is excel then every problem looks like a spreadsheet it might not be suitable for that but that's that's what you're comfortable with and i've i've definitely seen that in real life i've seen lots of examples of gratuitous spreadsheets and and I didn't really see that until I and until I really got I guess deeper into the sort of the corporate IT universe and, and then I've 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 run into lots of people who've literally sent me spreadsheets consisting of a screenshot wait a minute what a screenshot in a spreadsheet yeah a spreadsheet file and a screenshot was pasted into it because this person had to send me information about a hotel. And, and the only reason, the only way this person knew to sort of get an image from their computer to my computer was to put the screenshot into a spreadsheet and send me the spreadsheet file. That's a drastic example, but to this day, I mean, that, that happened years ago and to this day it, 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 it sticks with me because it was so unexpected and so funny and just so demonstrative of, I guess, what I'm talking about here. So people, people think, okay, I need to do this thing. What tool can I use for it? And other people, I guess, must think, well, I've got this tool. What can I, what can I use it for? Both, both of those things are really, I think, interesting questions. I, and I don't think they're, trivial by any means i think they they both lead to very different and interesting conclusions and results because if if you have a task and and you're looking for an interesting tool for it then the the, the the end result is possibly that you have found a really you might find a cool new tool to accomplish the task that you wanted to do I usually use GIMP all the time for image manipulation. And then one day I sat down and thought, I've got a photograph that I need to change around a little bit. What tool could I use that for? I started to question intentionally whether GIMP was the only hammer on my workbench. And then I, I looked over at Krita and it had been getting some attention for sort of having a lot of capabilities that felt pretty familiar to um. To, 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 photo editing. And so I started using that and, and I've, and I've, I've continued to use that quite a lot lately for, for my photo manipulation, not all of it, but, but for, for quite a lot of it, I actually just, I just go over to Krita when I need to do quick image adjustments for no good reason. It's just, it's, it's an option. Krita is a great application. So I've decided, I, I just kind of made the choice. I think I'll try that for a while and it's worked out. It's, it's got some really cool features. So that that can happen sometimes and, and and you know not all the time sometimes you realize nope this is still the best the best option i i've got this task and this tool is still the correct tool to accomplish it now if you're asking if you look at it differently you say okay i've got this tool what could i possibly do with it then you do you possibly get some interesting some interesting results you get some maybe some abuse of of a tool something that it wasn't really intended for but oh isn't that interesting that you're using it in that way and and maybe i mean that's not always the right thing that that could be the wrong thing it could be right for that moment but but wrong if you're actually trying to get something serious done or or it might be wrong for the in in the long term but but exactly the fix that you needed today and so on so No, or it could lead that project, that tool into a different direction. People could look, developers could look and say, people are doing this with this tool. Well, maybe I'll start adding some features in to make their lives easier. And then you get some interesting variation in what that tool can do. I mean, using Krita again, actually, it's not an animation program, but during one of their kickstarts, kickstarters, uh, they, they got feedback as I understand it. I'm not involved with Krita at all, but from what I understand, I do follow their blog quite a lot. From what I understand, they got a lot of questions about what about animation in Krita. It's a great drawing tool. Let's, let's try to do some animation. And so now there's animation in Krita. Is it the best animation tool available? Maybe, maybe not. There's, um, what is it? Tune, Tune Studio. Um, what's it called? I forget what it's called. The one from Ghibli, Studio Ghibli. Um, that one, there's that, and, and that's a huge animation program, lots of different choices, lots of different options, and, and maybe too many options for a lot of people. So maybe having a little bit of a fallback with Krita where, well, I do want to animate, but I, I, don't, want to, I don't need awareness of scenes and characters and different assets and things like that. I just want to animate. Well, Krita is a great option for that and maybe maybe you realize that uh, you don't actually want to animate after all, you just want to do motion graphics well synfig is great for that, so lots of different tools, lots of different tasks, intersections all over the place, and finding those intersections is really really important and and valuable one way or the other. I guess my question is how how does a tool become the the quote unquote standard tool or the Yeah, I think the standard tool was one was a was a quote that someone used with me recently when they were protesting against uh, something. They they said, um, "Are you going to use uh, a no? What what bizarre non standard thing are you going to use?" And, And and that was the question posed to me. And and I my immediate response, legitimately, was define standard. Like, how, how, do, how does anyone know what the standard, there were air quotes around that, of, of something is? And, and that struck me as an interesting question, because to me, in my little bubble of um, just personal projects, podcast, and working within an open source industry, to me, the stand, there is a standard set of tools. Depending on what we're talking about, but I mean, there's there's a standard set of tools, and they're all they're my standards. They're the things that I default to. GIMP, Creta, Audacity, Qtractor, Cadian Live, all of these things. There's LibreOffice. The, all of these things are standard tools to me. Like I I can't I can't imagine to to me something else would be non standard. G- going to Google Docs would be a non standard thing for me. Maybe I'd go to Etherpad. I wouldn't go to Google Docs. That would be non-standard. I wouldn't go to Microsoft Office three hundred and sixty-four days a year or whatever it's called. Um, I, I would go to to Etherpad or or Nextcloud, whatever. So to ask someone whether they're going to use a standard tool in in a world where inherently there are no standards is an interesting question to ask and and presumably what what that person actually meant was what mainstream thing should we you know what what i guess it it was the negation of that so what non-mainstream tool are you going to be using for this and and that would be i guess something i mean again i I think there it would be it's it's a difficult position for me to be in to say well is something mainstream but i do recognize that i i don't have a good i've never had a good notion of what of how mainstream anything is like i i legitimately don't know i don't know how anyone can really know how quote mainstream something is like what is what does that mean, mainstream? Is there a percentage that something has to reach in order to be considered mainstream? And I don't mean to be pedantic about this, actually. I'm, I'm just, I'm honestly not clear on what, what for instance, mainstream would, how, how that would qualify. Like, again, in my world, there are a certain set of mainstream things, things that all of the people in my community talk about and refer to. And... And when I talk to someone, I can say things like dolphin and thunar and gnome, things like that. And and there's no question about what I'm referring to. I don't have to qualify things. They're just they're they're things that people understand. It's a it's these are they're they're mainstream. I mean, these are the mainstream things, right? And I would I would say something like uh, Slackware or Fluxbox. I would say that those, to me, would not be mainstream among my communities. I mean, among you and me, dear listener, they're mainstream. But but among like work communities, they're not really mainstream. I, I would have to I would have to explain probably that, for instance, I still use Slackware. It's still a distribution. Yes, it does exist. It's not just a thing that you used back in 1995. I'm using it today to speak to you right now. So that kind of or flux fluxbox. Well, what's fluxbox again? Oh yeah, it's a it's a window manager. Some some people what's a window manager? It's not even a given these days, honestly. So like yeah, there's mainstream and then there's like not mainstream, but I feel like there's this other level of mainstream to someone else. And I guess I mean, you know, the issue is I don't think the world I I think it's it's lack of perspective. From some very specific people who I've encountered, some random people on the internet who I, who've I, whom I have encountered lately, because I've started playing with uh, random people on the internet, play, playing with play, playing games with people who I, I have no connection to whatsoever, and and that has been definitely illuminating to me in in some small ways. And again, I want to stress, I'm talking about like one to two percent of the interactions that I've had. And for the most part, people—at least over the internet—I feel there's a there's a there's a segment of of people who are willing to be platform independent. And, and by that, in this context, I simply mean what tool are they using to accomplish some task? They're willing to take a, a, a they're they're willing to try different things. And I I, I think that one of the really kind of beautiful things about the internet and and i hope we're not losing this i don't feel like we are but you never know um but one of the beautiful things about the internet and how it has developed is that there have there, there are so much out there and there has never really been just a couple of things out there to to where Everyone assumes that well, this is the internet, right? These five sites is the real internet, and everything outside of that is not mainstream. That's that's fringe internet stuff. No, it's the internet has been huge for so long that a lot of people just the the fact that there are five different websites that do essentially the same thing doesn't really phase most people. That doesn't confuse them. It doesn't scare them away. It doesn't make them think, well, I'm not going to go to that website because I'm I use this website. That's not what we've got, Um, which, which, by the way, I'm, I'm refer, I'm, I'm alluding to the fact that on, on computers, personal computing, there are things like that. Like there's, there is a, a, an office suite, a photo editor, a whatever else uh, that, that people sort of, if, if you suggest that they might not use those applications, they get a little bit disturbed and frightened and angry on the internet i'm I'm sensing that there's sort of an inherent inherited diversity that we that we that we've gotten for free because of just the the initial chaos of that platform of of the internet the anarchy of of the internet and like I say, I hope we're not losing that i really do i hope we're not i hope that's not getting phased out. But if it is, I hope that there's another platform out there to start back at the beginning. And I mean, there, there are, there are, you know, there's Gemini, there's, there's Gopher, things like that. But I I would like for the internet to, to remain diverse enough, such that people aren't opposed to, to new useful things being acceptable things for them to use. And I think that's part of being an open-source enthusiast, too. Being an open-source enthusiast on the Internet is, is a little bit difficult in a weird way because there's so much on the Internet that at the end of the day, you don't really have... You're not leveraging the fact that it's open-source. Jitsi, I'm not I'm not running my own Jitsi instance, for instance. I mean, I, I probably should but but i'm not i i don't yet so so am i really benefiting from it being open source not really um mythic table i'm not running that on my own server so there there are there, there's great stuff out there that that is open source you can see the code you can look at it you can contribute it to it but you're not actually utilizing it and so what's the real benefit there i think it's it's questionable it's very highly questionable um i mean there is a benefit right because should should one of those services go away or decide to put up a a limit on on their services or whatever then i could take the code i could make that happen especially now that i've got a fiber internet connection i feel relatively confident that i could i I would have the bandwidth to make some of that happen but on a day-to-day basis in practice i'm not really benefiting from the fact that it's open source and so there there is kind of that question of how much how much does it matter whether something's open source or not on the internet especially for something like games because games are non-essential and I've talked about this in the past but I don't consider gaming to be an essential part of com- computation because the results are necessarily almost invariably necessarily essentially repeat re- reproducible, right? Games have a finite, although large, end state, uh, and usually the only end state you care about is binary: you either lost or you won. There you go. So I don't, I don't consider games all that important or significant, uh, and so the open source part of gaming, I don't, I, I don't really feel to be very urgent. It's definitely a nice to have. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying priority wise, it's pretty low. But being an open source enthusiast online, I think, in part, is discovering the new tools out there that are open source and and ensuring that they get a little bit of playtime, a little bit of airtime, making sure that people understand that that one site that is quote unquote mainstream or quote unquote standard to them isn't The only way to accomplish a task. And I really, really feel like there's a lot of value to that. That, that lesson, I think, is a valuable lesson. And it's the same, it's, it doesn't, it's not just online. It's on personal computing as well. Because the minute someone believes that the only way that they can produce an album of music is by getting a Pro Tools license and buying a bunch of VSTs, and doing all of these different things, the moment they think that they're you and I, dear listener, we know this. They're locked in, right? I mean, th- that's that's it. They're gone. They're, that's they are now indebted to whoever puts out Pro Tools. I forget their, the company's name right now. DigiDesign? Design. Um, they're indebted to that to that company because they and, and they they will be forever as long as they want to open those project files. They are they they owe allegiance to to that, that company. And that's a horrible place to be. I mean, it's not a horrible place to be if you can financially afford it and you've, you're confident that you'll always be able to financially afford it and so on. But it's a horrible place to be if you don't feel that way. And and that's the part that really kind of it, it annoys me the most, I think, is that, that somewhere out there, and I know this from personal experience because I was this person, somewhere out there, there's someone wanting to do a task and they're under the illusion the false illusion, that the only way to do that task is with this tool. And an open source enthusiast, well-placed, can teach that person that that in fact that tool isn't the only way to accomplish that task. And that there's this whole world of, of open source tool sets that are freely available and can enable them to do all of the different tasks that they want to do. And I I am the first to admit and agree that a lot of people don't want to change tools. They they have prioritized the tool over the task, and that's too bad. And you can't. And I mean, sometimes it's it's actually the right answer too. I mean, or well, a right answer to you know depending on what your your desired outcome is. But if if you're looking specifically for a job at a company that uses Maya and not Blender then, then the, the quote unquote, right answer for that goal is not to, not to start using blender necessarily. I mean, it is because blender can still teach you the the technique, but at some point you're going to have to, you're going to have to prioritize the tool over the task because the, the place that you want to go and that is offering money for something is, is using, you know, tool a and, and you've been using tool B. So you have to prioritize, right? so yes i i get that sometimes the the answer for the you know depending on the the question the answer is sometimes not 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 the open source tool but for the people prioritizing task over tool i think open source is is obviously a, an important and 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 realistic and, and really vital answer and I, I think it's vital on the personal computer because I, I don't want to see a world where um, personal computing is subscription based, and I think it's vital on the internet because I don't want to see an internet that is well <laughs> subscription based or or monolithic, and and that the diversity of the inter- internet is is just as diversity in real life it, is just one of the it's one of the most important things that we have going for it. So that, that's that's my thoughts I guess on um ultimately i guess yeah diversity of of choice and and how open source enables that i know this was a long and kind of rambly and unfocused um episode but that's what's been on my mind and i wanted to kind of get it out into into some form and now it's in audio form and you have just been listening to it so thanks very much for sticking with me No coffee today, but uh, now that we're done, I think it's safe to say that we could both just go get a cup of coffee. And let's do that. We'll do it separately. We'll come back next week for the next episode. Thanks. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi, my email address is clatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not clatu at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted. Until next time, thanks for listening, and keep the source open!